A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Chris Rydell, actor and now podcast host, I guess. Um, that guy you've seen on a million TV shows and movies, but you still do not know my name. And I'm David Allen Bache, actor and sometimes producer. And you also recognize me from lots of films and TV shows, but you probably couldn't name one of them right now if I paid you to. The two of us and our guests are going to let you in on some secrets on how to make it as an actor and share some private stories from the many movies and TV shows that we've worked on. That's right. We're going to interview a special guest each week and we'll get their best advice and wisdom for you about how to break into this business and how to stay in it. And yes, again, there will be stories, stories, stories. So, let's get to it. This is Confessions of a Working Actor. Well, Chris, we're back for another episode. Here we are, David. You know, we've gotten some good reviews, I think. That's what I've heard. I don't really read reviews, but someone told me today, like, you got great reviews. And I, no, because if, if you read the good ones and you believe them, you have to believe the bad ones, that's too. That's true. I never, especially, I mean, every once in a while I read reviews of, of TV shows or films, but stage stuff, I, I absolutely refuse to read the reviews. And I went so far once as to say, if you're going to post the reviews in the front of the theater to get people in, I need to come in the back. Because I will be fundamentally incapable of not reading them. I will be so desperate for approval that I will want to read them. And I literally, this was at the Union Square Theater, I had to go in the back door. It's amazing how you're, you're just walking on cloud nine when, when there's a great review, you know? And you're like, oh, man, I really am good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, then, and, and then you're like, wait a second, maybe yep, I should... Yep. Uh, Hmm. Don't read that bad one, though, because that's yeah, the thing. You, like you said, you got to believe that one, too. And I, I tell people, you know, if someone asks me, like, you know, do you read your reviews or my advice is don't read the reviews at all, because even if they say something good that sticks in your head, you know, even if they say, like, well, the way Beish puts his hat on at the beginning of Act Two is delightful. or something, Right. And they sometimes do do that. They say this is a brilliant scene and the way he turns to the audience and it's so vulnerable. But then I'm, I'm fucked because I'll, it's all I'm thinking about in that moment. is like, is this going to be as good as the reviewer thought it was that night that I did it and didn't know they were thinking it? Right. And then, the same, then somebody says, God, he puts his hat on the same way each time. I know, exactly. Come on. Well, we're going to ask our, uh, this week's guest uh, a little bit about that because he's a Broadway guy. That's what I read. I yeah. I mean, real lots Broadway of film guy. and TV, too, but a wonderful, brilliant, up-and-coming actor. And uh, I did a horrible a terrible horror movie with him a while back, but that's not his claim to fame, believe me. He's been on shows like Blue Bloods, uh, FBI, Daredevil, Prodigal Son, lots of other stuff. Yeah, and like we said, he's a serious Broadway guy, right? He's been mm -hmm. in plays, The Ferryman, yep. Torch Song, Marvin's Room, that's and right. many more, right? So let's welcome 
Jack DeFalco. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Jack. Jack, Jack how are you? <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. This is so cool. I love this. Well, we, we're happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, my honor. And you dressed up. I, you know, nobody can see you, but I just want to say you have on a Depeche Mode t-shirt, which, you know, we're both digging. We're, we're digging. Oh, very, yeah. Very, very cool. Totally. Like, Gotta uh, represent. Gotta represent. Have to look good for this. Now, Jack, we're talking to you, if I'm not mistaken, out sort of out of town, right? I know you, you live in New York, but are you, in fact, in an out-of-town tryout for a show right now before it comes to New York? Tell us about what, yeah. what is it that's Sing Street, yeah? Yeah, Sing Street. It's the musical who was going to come to Broadway pre-COVID, and then everything got shut down because of COVID. And now we're over here in Boston doing it until, well, we just got extended, so we're going till October 9th. And then the the goal is to get it back up in Broadway before the Tony season. Wow! Congratulations. So yeah, it, it's been great. Thank that's, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. It's the first musical I've ever done in my entire life, if you want to call it that. It's kind of hard to place where it falls on the spectrum between play and musical, just because mm. it has so many elements of a play. I mean, <laughs> the first yeah. thirty minutes is is speaking and dialogue and. Uh, is setting you up and then the singing is all played by a live band and by the cast on stage so the 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 only music that's performed is by the actual actors mm. so it's really cool it's really and, really cool and, uh, give us the give us sort of the one sentence or two sentence about the what the show's about it's about love no it's uh it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can let, let me hear my talking points no it is it's about a, a boy who starts a band to impress a girl in 80s Dublin during the MTV new wave era of music. So it's a lot of like punk rock, Depeche mode. It's cool. It's, it's really, it's special. It's very special. Are you the boy? I am not the boy. No, I'm always the, the, the antagonist. He's the baddie. Yeah. Come on. You see the shaved head? I mean, yeah. your your listeners can't see it, but I've got this gorgeous buds cut going on right now. Will there you got be a great a... widow's peak? You got a oh, great yeah. widow's peak. He does, peak. doesn't he? I know. Uh, will there be a Scottish accent? Not Scottish. It's Dublin, Ireland. So I did. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, Dublin. Yeah, I would have. I would have said that. That's. A... No. Yeah. 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 I would have known which one to do. Is it? What are you talking about? Ah, there it yeah. is. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's easy to slip right back into after doing it All right, eight good. shows a week. And we're just coming out of a, a six-show weekend, oh. ten-show week. So it's Wow. Been, yeah, it's been long. We're honored. We're honored that you're here. You should be really, you should be asleep, even though it's the middle uh, of the day. Um, I slept till 2.30. Perfect. There you go. An actor's <laughs> life, ladies and gentlemen. That's That's beautiful. right. Confession. There's the first confession. Is the extension uh, a happy thing? Uh, it's not like, oh, we need another week to really work out the kinks, or it's like, hey, this is going really well. We're going to give it one more week, and then... Yeah. yeah. I mean, the problem we ran into is we sold out really, really quick. There you go. Uh, so, And we've been getting really great reviews. We have a lot of people who keep coming back. It's been hard getting even my friends and family just using my comps, them tickets to come see it. But so, So we got extended because it's... It's doing well. I'm very grateful. It's it's a privilege. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Tell us about some other some of the other uh, Broadway things you've done. The the there's some great great shows in there and and you know, how how did you how did that come to be? We always ask our guests how they got started. So maybe that's the way in here is like how did you get started and how does that tie into what you ended up on Broadway? Mm. So uh if you want to start way back, how I got started in this whole thing, I grew up in the foster care system. I bounced around a lot as a kid. And my story is 
kind of it's luck meets drive. I happened to be in a TV and film class that my friend made me do. And I only got to show up for one of the classes because I was offered a free class. I couldn't pay for it. And the person who ended up being my manager happened to pass by the class, looked right, recognized the person who was running it because it was his assistant about 10 years prior at APA. And so he came in, started talking to him as a class of like 45 kids and adults. And he just like, yeah, I guess I can sit down and give some notes to your to your students, yada, yada, yada. And mm -hmm. then me and the manager started uh, talking. Matthew is his name. And he brought me auditions. He signed me almost immediately. I was 17. We waited till I was 18 so that I was out of the whole system and that kind of stuff. But I was still auditioning. And then I was shopping for colleges. Very difficult to do when you don't have any money. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you want to become an actor, which is, you know, normally just more debt. So it was kind of serendipitous because I was, I was shopping for colleges and a role landed on my plate, which was in Denver. It was a show called Lord of the Flies. And I did mm. this years and years and years ago. And they made me do an RP British accent. And then I did that for about five months. And then I bopped over to New York. And I happened to probably a couple months after that book, my first off-Broadway show called Mercury Fur, which was originally supposed to be a Cockney British accent type of thing. And that's kind of my specialty, you know, playing troubled youth. And it ended up getting turned into like the New York version because nobody understood half the things you were saying <laughs> and the places we were referencing. And then from that, I booked uh, my my agents, my glorious agents, shout out to artists and reps. They have great taste and work ethic. And they they got me a, you know, a guest spot on Blue Bloods, yada, yada, yada. And then I was doing another off-Broadway show called Yen after a couple little movie things and like indie films, get co-stars, guest spots, yada, yada. And I, I I took the role and it was more or less an understudy, but I, I had set performances that I had to go on for hmm. because I had to take over for a role. It was like a four person show. It was me, Lucas Hedges, Ari Grainer, uh, and Stefania Levio and, uh, and Justice Smith, which is who I ended up taking over the role for because he, you know, as you do, go have to shoot Jurassic World oh, 87. Sure. Yeah, it's a great cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And then I ended up taking the role over from Justice. And I, in this whole process, if we're getting back to Broadway, I was auditioning for the show called Marvin's Room, which was about a six month process. I was going head to head with like everybody from L.A. to New York. Uh, even they were they were shopping around in London for the roundabout. And I uh, <laughs> uh, I was on. We invited the director and she actually happened to show up. And after that, I had my final audition the next the next day. Hmm. And it certainly didn't hurt that she got to see me do my thing other than just what I was presenting in the room. And then that same day, I got the offer for my first ever Broadway show. And of course, I cried. I vomited. I was ecstatic. <laughs> it was cool. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where stars kind of have to align for it to happen. Yeah. And uh, I'm very grateful. And that was, that was how I got my first Broadway. Yeah. What an amazing journey. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's uh, forever grateful. And you had a passion for acting as, as a young 
kid, or really was it that just that TV and acting, that class, that first class that you had taken, kind of gave you the spark? Or was it was there one moment that you that you knew even at the very beginning, like I have to be a part of this? And if oh if there God, was, yeah. like, what was it? Was it? Yeah. Was it a scene? Was it a show? What that was? Was, Oh, I do. I remember because it was, you know, it, my father passed away when I was young and the school was like, hey, we need to get him involved in some sort of arts, something to express himself, something to do. And it was my fifth grade musical. You had to wait till you're in fifth grade to audition for this thing. And I I did it. It was called The Pied Piper and I booked The Pied Piper. Of course you did. <laughs> Which is funny because I, throughout school, high school and everything, I never played the lead. Like I was never the lead. I was always ensemble. I was always like the supporting blah, blah, blah. But this one, I got The Pied Piper and I remember being on stage and I had 104 fever on the edge of vomiting. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Bam. And after that, I, I got uh, into any school play or musical, any community theater play or musical. Even when I was in the foster home, I had a, uh, a gorgeous uh, social worker. Her name is Michaela. I never will never know her last name because that's all secretive. But she would drive me from the foster home to rehearsals. Uh, and make sure that I could keep doing it. It was mm. it was really, really cool. But I remember being in fifth grade and standing wow. on that stage, sweating and uh, on the edge of vomiting in front of all my classmates and being like, wow, this is that's, this is cool. That's the dream right there. That's <laughs> yeah. I've, I've felt the same. I felt the same way in front of uh, uh, 10,000 people. Listen, believe me, that's the dream. Yeah. I want to tell you I just want to tell you something before we get to the next question. I just want to tell you something. My father died when I was seven, had a heart attack. It was very sudden. And my elementary school guidance counselor was like, holy shit, we got to do something with this kid. He's angry. He's lost. We got we to keep him busy. And she said, you should, Roberta was her name. And she, I don't remember her last name. And she said, you should audition for the school musical. It's Tom Sawyer. And they, I was a kind of a wayward, wow. a, way, a little bit of a wayward youth at that time. So I, they were like, Tom Sawyer is a, kind of a wayward youth. He talks all his friends into painting the fence for him. He, you know, and they cast me as Tom Sawyer. And I stepped foot on that stage and people cheered. And I was like, that's the approval I've been waiting for. Yeah, and that it's validation. really interesting. Yeah, that's a really, yeah. um, I just wanted to mention that uh, a small similarity. Wow, yeah. that is such a cool parallel. That's so weird. That's, f- that's, that's really incredible. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible. Wow. I mean, what? sometimes that's what it takes. You know, once you step out on that stage, it's really hard to yeah. not ever seek that, that feeling again. So, Jack, do you want to tell us about any of your films? How about something about Goldfinch? Goldfinch. Goldfinch was really cool. That one kind of fell on my lap. I don't remember what I was doing at the time. I think it was Torch Song Off-Broadway. But they, they, they gifted me the opportunity to just be like a quick little day player. I came on. Uh, I shot my scenes. Nicole Kidman got to play my mother. And it was, whole, it hang was, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, that, that's, you can't just, just roll over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's hear that part again. Just we say that again in case anybody listening was like, wait, what did he say? Nicole Kidman played my mother. All right, there we go. It was unreal. It was really cool. John Crowley. And, it, you know, another weird coincidence, John Crowley was the director of that. But the mm. set designer and the costume designer for the Sing Street that I'm doing is his brother. Hmm. which I never knew that he had a brother that was also in the business. But anyway, back to Nicole, <laughs> my mother. Uh, she, 
<laughs> she was great. I mean, she, if you want to talk about a technically perfect actress who knows where the camera is and how little to move your face to to draw up the biggest, uh, I guess, reaction, uh, that is that is her. But she also knows how mm. to be comfortable. Mm. I mean, she would be in full like gown and get up, and then underneath the table, she'd be wearing soft little Uggs, <laughs> and like you know where, where you would assume she's in like heels or or something, but. She was, she couldn't have been nice, more nice. She was, she is a gift. I mean, I, I, I haven't heard anything ever bad about her yeah. and getting to work with her and watch her display the, I mean, all of the years of work and tools that she's mm. acquired throughout her career in those scenes was, was it was mind blowing and it was, it was breathtaking. It was and cool the, to see. It's cool to see that. And the comfortable shoes. That's not the first time we've heard that, right, Chris? We had a, an acting couple on, Jenny Mudge and Chris Coffey. And we uh-huh. asked Jenny for her best piece of advice, and it was always wear comfortable wear shoes. Wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, yep. That's it. Yeah. I always prided myself as being able to, as someone who could talk to to women. And I think that my, my dad had, you know, as a, a young boy, my, my parents were divorced and my dad would go to the Playboy Mansion. And he would drag me up there as a young, like eight year old. And I'd be like, you know, playing pinball with the girls, you know, and, and I was like eight years old. But long story short, my my friend Billy Zane goes to do dead this movie. You know, he's basically like living on my couch. His sister lives in the back of my building, and he goes, he's like, ah, Chris, I got this movie in Australia. I'm going to Australia to make this movie Dead Calm. I was like, oh, okay, great, Billy, congratulations. And he comes back with a wife. Then they're going to get married. And at the wedding, it's like in, up in Hollywood, this great apartment in the rain, is this the most beautiful red-haired girl I'd ever seen in my life. And I just couldn't even get myself to go say, I couldn't even say hi. I was just like, I don't know what to say. Exactly. And it was her, you know? And I didn't even, I hadn't seen the film or anything, you know, at that time. And I was like, who is this girl at your wedding, man? Wow. Yeah. But that was, that was yeah. my only, you know, experience with her. Yeah, yeah. I, and she, I mean, I wish you got the chance to speak with her because she is so unbelievably smart and mm. and kind. She's one of those presences on set where it kind of makes everybody feel calm. It's mm. not like you, you know, you're in the presence of greatness. You know, you've been, you're, you're gifted a role or a scene and you just want to chomp at the bit and 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 it's like oh this is all i ever wanted to do is work with this person i mean i i mm. loved her in everything that i've ever seen but just being there with her and getting to talk to her and just have like small talk and, mm. and talk about the movie itself was very wonderful hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And you, you did a film, you did the film Bully, which was two actors who were very similar to Nicole Kidman, Danny Trio and Vincent Pastore, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the closest. Yes, I did. You know, and it, you know, the funniest thing is, is uh, me, Danny, my buddy Tucker were all the leads of it. I played the bully. It was a movie called Bully. And I never, I, I met Danny maybe once and it was during a, uh, a casting. I mean, we hit it off. He's a really great guy. A sweet guy. But that is kind of the funny thing about the movies is that you can be a lead of something with somebody else and never, never meet them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why I love theater is you're forced to interact with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. What's something that you wish you'd known when you started that you now know? Maybe some small piece of advice that our young actors or even experienced actors would love to hear. Yeah. It, it's a long journey. Art, you think, you know, I, I was a big coming to terms with me. My, my dream was always to be on Broadway. Broadway, I wanted to, to be a Broadway star. I wanted to do that. And that was my ultimate goal for a very long time. And then it was a weird thing once I had done it to, to readjust and figure out what I wanted to do after that. It is attainable. It's not unattainable. If you show up, if you do your work, if you're persistent and you understand that rejection is a part of the job and it's nine times out of 10 what you're going to receive and to expect to never be satisfied, I guess, uh, is 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 something that I had to come to terms with thinking, oh, once I do a movie like this is all I ever needed to do. Or once I do a, a Broadway play, mm-hmm. you know, this is all I ever wanted to do. It's it's a never ending love or string that you keep pulling and you keep adding things to your belt and you realize that you need to keep developing goals and understanding the business that you're getting into because art is ever changing. I mean, our business changes and has changed. I mean, if you look at COVID from before COVID and now COVID, everything changes. And I mm. think to yearn for, I guess if you yearn for the rejection, and you just go in and you do your work and you and you stop trying to book things. That is something that is a, a powerful lesson that I had to learn. Your, your, your job as an actor is to show up and present something. It's not to book something. Mm-hmm. And that's where you should find your love in it. And the love shouldn't be coming from just the attaining what you think is going to make you the most happy. And you realize, hey, I get to just do this and I get to present and I get to create this. That is where... The artist lives, at least for me. Mm. Wow, that's great. Great advice. That's really, yeah. I love to, I mean, I love to hear that. Go, go ahead, David. I uh, apologize. Uh, no, I was just going to say, you know, the flip side of that is, is I want to hear the answer to this question, which is you basically, you come out of the foster system, you kind of get, quote, I'm doing air quotes, everyone, you get discovered in the foster system, right? And you wind up uh, on Broadway and your career is off to a, a, an amazing Amazing start. And then here you are, you know, your star is rising. But were there times that you said, I just, I got to chuck this all that never mind this never ending string. I don't want to pull on it anymore. There's too much rejection. I want out. Yeah. Oh, every time I want something, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've encountered this where you get really attached to a role and you're, you've gone through so many auditions and you've, you've learned all these, these damn sides and they're essentially making you put a short film on, uh, especially now with the, the having to produce 
edit, direct, light, costume yourself, direct yourself, all of these things. And you're doing all of this work and you, you emotionally invest yourself, you physically invest yourself with your time and your patience. And then you get to the last end. And this literally just happened to me where you're just like, what the fuck is this all for? <laughs> you know what? Why did I do all this shit? Look at my headshot. Do I look good enough? I'm a professional actor. Fucking hire me. If that's not what's working, then fuck you. But, <laughs> you know, it's unrealistic. And it, it is. I mean, you you this is one of those careers. Rejection is a hard thing. When you get mm-hmm. rejected in any form of your life, it is something hard to come to terms with. But I, I I've been there. I, I've I've reached that. I think it's a natural part of the process to just want to to give up, but mm-hmm. it's equally important to not and just to keep persisting, because throughout our careers, people will give up. People will stop persisting. Those people that you think you're going to be competing head to head with for the rest of your life, some of them are going to drop out. Some of yep. them are going to want to become producers. Some of them are going to want to, you know. So if if it's truly what you love, I, I think just showing up doing the best you can in that moment is super important. Uh. Well, we ask, you know, all our guests, their worst audition experience, your worst audition story. Could you give it to us? Oh God, this is, this is a, it's a safe space, Jack. It's a safe (laughs) space. Yeah, No, 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 I know. So I made the mistake of the night before a big audition to take an edible. And I thought that that was going to be, you know, I'll relax myself. I'll go to sleep. I'll wake up fresh, like, ready to go. My lines are going to be in my head. I like where this is going. <laughs> uh, little did I know it was like a 400 milligram edible. And I'll tell you, it put me right to sleep. But when I woke up. Is that up, a lot? I don't do. Is that so a lot? Usually, usually even like your average smoker. And I only know this because I'm in Boston right now. I've been to the dispensary. It's probably around three or five milligrams will get you stoned or sufficiently high. And I was on 400 milligrams of that. Whoa. So when I woke up and for the entire day into the next day, I was absolutely baked out of my mind. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, that day I had an audition for a CBS show called Madam Secretary. (laughs) And it was with Mark Sachs. And I'm sure everybody's dealt with Mark Sachs and before COVID where he cattle calls and he brings in like, Everybody at the same time. And God, it was the most like, that's the worst fucking environment when you have things on the Mm. line and you're surrounded by people and you're not in a calm, relaxing environment. That is not (laughs) where you want to be stoned during. Never mind the fact that you're super high. All right. What happened? What happened? So I ended up I tried to push it. I kept pushing the audition later and later. But you know how he has the callbacks the same days. And so I pushed it. I got it all the way back to one because I knew one thirty was the callbacks. And I get in there and it's me and like five other people who looked identical to me. And I go into the audition room and luckily Mark has just seen a show of mine and I'm trying to play it really cool. I was like, well, if I can't beat Jack, then I guess I'll just be quiet. So I, I, I was just like, okay, I go in there. I was like, oh, hey, 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 how's it going? And he was like, oh, I just seen your show. I think it was Torch Song. I don't know if it was Broadway or Off-Broadway. And he's just like, he's like, oh, it was so great. And he kept trying to talk to me. And as he was talking to me and I was just focusing on just staying sane, I, I sit down in the seat and I'm, and I'm like prepping my sides. I got my sides and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so great. And he, and he talks to me. It was like a school shooter thing, of course. Long, long, like two page monologue. And I, I'm sitting in the seat uh, ready to prep. And I'm like, OK, he's like, are you ready? And I'm like, OK, let's go. And I, and I just dropped into character. 
at least I tried to. And then he goes, actually, we're going to shoot it over here. And I looked up and I realized I was on the opposite side of the room from where the camera and the backdrop <laughs> and the mics <laughs> and everything was. And I was like, oh, Jesus, fucking Christ. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just that was that was on purpose. So I, I get over there and I'm already stunning myself. And I'm sitting in this chair. And I don't know if you guys have ever and I'm sure other actors who have been who are listening to this have had the moment where they start their line and then you just go blank. And you can't remember anything that you're supposed to say, no matter how much you prepped it, how many performances you've had, the, the tape gets jumbled and you just lose your place. And that's what happened to me. Ah. So here I am stoned out of my mind in front of Mark Sachs and his assistant on camera, sweating to death because I'm so fucking nervous and scared. And I am riffing a monologue about a school shooting that I just did. Oh man. Let me tell you, it did not go well. I did about four separate takes of it every time i forgot the lines and i said oh. uh, he's like do you want to do it again i said no that's as good as it's gonna get and I, <laughs> I got up. that was I the left. best thing you did that day yes i know i, was, <laughs> I shouldn't have even showed up but i was eager uh, you know it's my yeah. big thing i'm like at least you show up but uh, all right well so let that be a lesson to uh, the other actors out there don't do edibles before to, whatever it is you need to do to relax and get some sleep just yeah. you know check Melatonin. your dosages just Check your dosages. I don't know what's happening with my computer over here, but I just caught the end of that. And I had a terrible experience happen to me. I had graduated from, you know, college you know, at Purchase studying theater. And, and I went to go take an animation class. Yeah. And they gave us these, like, like a character on a, like, you know, just a drawn character on a piece of paper. And you had to go up in front of the class and, like, do a character for this and the, the guy I did it and the guy at the end said uh, maybe you should go back and take some more acting class <laughs> in front of everybody oh, oh. I was just I yeah. was cr I was crushed oh. yeah but I was you know crushed. it's usually those things that drive you is I mean for at least for me Mm -hmm. I, I've always felt like it was the people who doubted me or the people who were like, oh, no, you're never going to do this. Or you, there's no way that that's going to happen where you kind of find the energy or the, the determination to prove somebody wrong. Funny you should mention that. <laughs> I mean, I do a fair amount of voiceovers here and there. Well, and, and this morning I had two characters to do for a video game. And I'm, in, you know, I'm in here sweating and I'm like, I just like, I, I, I'd rather just be me, you know? It's just much easier for me to just do Chris's voice. And if it works, it works. And if it yeah. doesn't, but to these people that can do, you know, 40 different voices. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I did a commercial one time where a guy, uh, I went in, to, it was just like a radio spot. I was supposed to be like shooting hoops at, at like, you know, making a basket from the free throw line. And they brought me in. And then the other guy came in and he did five different people. <laughs> <laughs> he did five different voices and was getting paid five oh. scale. Yeah. 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 That's like Phil Lamar, right? When Phil came on, he did a Phil, spot yeah. on impression of John Travolta. You know, he's the guy who does Samurai Jack and all these other voices. Oh, my voices. God. Well, let's, yeah. we're going to end on a positive note. <laughs> you gave us some, some things to think about already, some really good advice. But if you had to distill it down, we, we always end asking our guests, what's your best piece of advice? Something somebody shared with you early on, somebody meaningful to you, something you learned the hard way, whatever it is, something you just you want to share and distill it down into you know, a couple words, or one sentence, one idea. What do you want to tell us? If you love it, never stop doing it. <laughs> 
regardless. Mm. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've loved this job. I've loved, like I said, since fifth grade, I knew I never wanted to stop doing it. And there are times in my career in which it's hard. It's hard to keep loving or it's hard to to persist and show up and give your all all the time, even with the amount of auditions you get and the amount of rejection you get. But I've always come back to the, the same thing where that is I would not I, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. Those bookings are those tiny times of validation mm. to get on set is enough. And it is there. You will book, but you have to show up and you have to keep persisting and you have to persist longer and harder and outwork everybody else that you're going up against, because that is where that's where the magic happens, baby. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know it's supposed to be one sentence, but. No, uh, that's great. It was a good long sentence. It was a run-on <laughs> sentence, but it was there was a lot of great stuff in there. Yeah, good. For sure. Uh, that's great. Well, Jack, we wish you so much luck with Sing Street. We're going to, anybody listening on the podcast, just you Google that and find out when it's coming to Broadway and check Jack out. I've, I've worked with him. I can attest to the fact that he's a wonderful actor. So you'll you'll be in for a treat. The show sounds really cool, by the way. I'm I'm kind of psyched to see it. Thanks, and a great guest. Yeah, by the way. Thank yeah. you, thank you. You guys are two great hosts. This has been so much fun. Uh, we're just we figuring it out as we go along. We know we don't. It's aren't uh, we it's, all? Uh, aren't good. we? Yeah, all? we are, Yeah, that's true. Especially <laughs> especially as actors, you know. You you did say one thing. I want to say. I just want to wrap up with this. We when we talk to actors about if they ever want to give up, you know, when did you want to give up? Did you ever feel that way? All the actors we've talked to, everybody said yes, of course. Some say twice a day. Some say once a week. Some say yes, of course. Right. So. And then when we ask about advice, those best pieces of advice often hinge on just keep going. It's hard. There's rejection, but keep going. Be yourself, right? A lot of great things. And I realized that a few people have said to me, oh, I heard the podcast, you know, and some of them are actors and they got it right away. You know, and Chris and I have a lot of friends that are actors. You have a lot of friends that are actors and producers, directors. Those folks are going to get it. But these two people that said, oh, I really like the podcast. I found it very interesting. We're not actors at all. They weren't even in the field of entertainment and, and they weren't even related to me. And they said they liked it. And that's really interesting. I think people who hear this are like, geez, this, it's hard. Like everybody keeps saying how, you know, geez, you got to stick with it or there's rejection or it's, you know. And I, I just, I, I think it's cool that, that even people not in the business are listening and they're, they're recognizing a little bit about what actors go through and what the, what the roller coaster ride is. Mm. Yeah. This is good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm glad there are people out there that are listening to it that aren't actors. Yeah, I think yeah. both our fans are are really excited about the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can add a third. I'll be your third fan. All right. All right. All right. In. I'll tune right. in every week. <laughs> well, thank you again, Jack, and all the best to you, man. Thank you, guys. It's such Thanks, a pleasure. Jack, really. Jack DeFalco, everybody. Enjoyed having you. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Well, it's been another great 20 minutes with you, my friend. And you too, brother. It's been fun. Yeah, that was great. Cool. I thought that was awesome. All right, star, star that. That was terrific. And we got another great guest coming up next week, so be sure to tune in again to Confessions of a Working Actor. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.